causes us to act crazy. And that is why, as you see on the monitor here, we're not able to ask the question, who am I? Now, if we don't know who we are in Christ, then we see the signs of the end times. So as we talked about on Sunday at the end, do you notice how Wednesday and Sunday is connected? So if we figure out who we are, if we figure out who we are, and we get through the end times, then we'll be able to do something wonderful. We'll be able to break free to our destiny. Hey, that's, that's a cool name for a workshop seminar. Would you, oh, wait a minute, there is one. And that's uh, in October. That's on October 15th and 16th. We can also spend more time with Jesus. For example, on Fridays, on August 6th and August 20th, we have My Morning with Jesus from 9 to 11. Those are Fridays. Also, we have the Men's Bravehearted Conference. We have Stand Up. That's the name of the conference. Stand Up to Awake Men on Friday, August 27th. There's Chris O'Brien. He's taking, got to make a poster. Note to self. So do you see how it's all connected? If you miss anything, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TRC413 and YouTube, which is ResSend Spring. And uh, before arriving to the church tonight, my wife was listening to last Sunday's service on radio. She was listening to ResurrectionCenterRadio.com, and she was listening to Pastor Jose talking about the fourth sign of the end times. But today we're going to talk about something called stress and anxiety. Stress, do, do you know what stress and anxiety is? Would you like to know what stress and anxiety is? It's like this. Stabs you in the heart. Comes out of nowhere. And we don't know how to react. We become out of control. Stress and anxiety. Stabs you in the heart. It changes you. You are not yourself. You lose your identity. Because you let that which should not control you, control you. So let me ask, before I continue, is this a mature audience? Do, do I have a mature audience in front of me? A am I speaking to the church? Is the church here? Okay, are we God's people? Are we God's people? So can I be real? We're going to be real tonight. So what is anxiety and stress? We're going to talk about a lot of different things. Anxiety causes the muscles to tense up, which can lead to pain and stiffness in almost any area of the body. Anxiety is the underlining stress when, when we have a feeling that's overcoming us. It's excessive. It's all-consuming. It uh, interferes with our daily living. We feel faint. We have chest pains. We have dizziness. And we have symptoms of anxiety and panic attacks. Anxiety chest pain is frequently described as a sharp, stabbing sensation that starts suddenly, even if a person is inactive. Stress can cause pain, lightness or soreness in your muscles, as well as spasms of pain. It can lead up to flare-ups and symptoms of arthritis, fibromyalgia, and other conditions because stress lowers your threshold for pain. So you react to pain. People do stupid things to relieve pain. They'll do marijuana or other drugs. They'll be, well, you're seeing more of this in California. Oh, I'll have one of those. It's terrible. We're making it legal all over the place. Marijuana's main psychoactive ingredient is called delta tetrahydrocannabinol, called THC. It attaches to the brain's cannabinoid receptors. These receptors connect to the nerves of the brain that influence pleasure, memory, thought, concentration, sensory, and time perception, and coordinated movement. Multiple studies have linked marijuana use with a higher risk of the following psychotic symptoms. Think about this. Delusions, which is that delusional state of being. Disorganized thinking or speech. Hallucinations in all five senses. Depression. Suicidal behavior. All of this stuff. You know, things where you lose your identity. All these cause significant impairment in daily life. The clinical terms are called depersonalization 
and derealization. On the street, we call this loss of identity. You can't answer the question, who am I? Why? Because you don't know. This means you lose your God-given personality, personality, allowing the enemy to take over. You also lose your reality. You lose your reality so the enemy can create a fake world for you. They create a fake world for you to live in. That is so ew. Stinky ew. Stress and anxiety are natural and therefore can be controlled. We have dominion through the Holy Spirit. They are part of the flight or fight response. It's the body's reaction to danger. The natural response is to be ready to deal with a threat which is later converted into fear and worry. Fear and worry. According to the American Psychological Association, which is the APA, money is the top cause of stress in the United States, anything related to money. The APA reported that 72% of Americans stressed out about money at least some of the time during one month. Everyone has different stress triggers. Also, stress on the job, stress and the jobs tops the list. About 40% of U.S. workers admit to experiencing stress on the job. The fundamental motivation behind the threat reaction is to protect yourself from the danger. Your body is mobilized by the threat response with powerful psychological changes that are dramatic. The brain becomes hyper alert with nerves boiling, pupils dilate, the bronchial tubes dilate, and breathing accelerates. It's a sign of duress. The heart rate and blood pressure keep going up, causing an exhaustion. A threat generates fear and worry. Fear and worry is experienced in your mind, in your mind, but it triggers a strong physical reaction in your body. As soon as you recognize fear, your amygdala, that's what it's called, the amygdala, it's a small organ in the middle of your brain, it goes to work. It alerts your nervous system, which sets your body fear response into motion. That's why the focus of today will be fear and worry. You have a choice. Say choice. You have a choice to remove fear and remove worry, and we'll get to that. Now, think of this. Think of this. Does the Holy Spirit bring anxiety? No. The Spirit brings feeling of peace. Yes, peace. Putting it simply, if what is inside of you is from God, you won't feel fear. You won't feel trepidation. You won't feel stress. You won't feel worry. But instead, you'll have the feelings of peace and happiness and joy. The Bible does not state what causes anxiety. Let me tell you that. The Bible does not state what causes anxiety because God considers anxiety to be a crisis of faith. The, God, the Bible talks about what faith is. The belief here, the understanding is, the principle here is that anxiety shows that the person has not yet been able to put full trust in God because fear itself is something that is meant to be relinquished as every person is meant to be part of God's plan. Again, it goes back to choice. Anxiety, anxiety stems from a nervous system rattled with never-ending stream of subconscious fear. Not Holy Spirit fear, subconscious fear. This fear is different than the fear that sparks anger. Anxiety can rob us of the ability to enjoy our lives, creating instead hopelessness and shame. We find it hard to stop obsessing long enough to enjoy a loving relationship, find humor in life, or enjoy peaceful moments. We cannot relax. We cannot create, I should say, relax or imagine a life without fear. So what causes fear and worry? What causes fear and worry? Let's find out. So being under lots of pressure, that causes fear and worry. Facing big changes, changes, people don't like that word change. Not having much or any control of the outcome of a situation. Having responsibilities that you find overwhelming. Not having enough activities or change in your life. A, a sense of dormancy, and of course, 
times of uncertainty, like economy and COVID, uh, things like that. So how do you know you have fear and worry? How do you know that, that you have fear and worry? Well, you're, you're having this feeling. You're feeling overwhelmed, helpless, and hopeless. You feel guilty without any clear cause. You're having difficulty thinking or remembering. You're sleeping too much or you're sleeping too little. You're having changes in your appetite. You're relying more heavily on mood-altering substances, such as what I did many years ago, alcohol. Or the marijuana, the joint. People walk up to you in California. <laughs> physical symptoms of fear and worry. Let's talk about the physical manifestations. That's what happens. We cause physical manifestations from fear and worry. Aches and pains. Oh, I don't feel well. Chest pain or feeling like your heart is racing. Exhaustion or trouble sleeping. Headaches. Dizziness or shaking, high blood pressure, excessive smoking, drinking, or using drugs, muscle tension or jaw clenching, stomach or digestive problems. So let's talk about the three stages of worry. There's three stages. Very simple. One, two, three. Three stages of, of fear and worry. There's alarm. Do, 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 do. Alarm. There's resistance. And then through all of that, there's exhaustion. So the alarm, this occurs when we first perceive something as stressful. Did you hear me say perceive? We perceive something as stressful. And then the body initiates the fight or flight response. And we find resistance. That's the second step. Then we fight through the resistance and result in exhaustion. That's the third step. And that is what causes stress and anxiety. It's a process we can control if we know how. So I'm going to give you a testimony. This, I'm going to give you a testimony. This is a true story. I'm going to tell you a true story. You'll look at me and say, no, nah, that's not it's true. It's true. So this is a story how the Holy Spirit frees you from a prison you create. Let me say that again. Because I think you may have missed it. It's a story of how the Holy Spirit frees you from a prison that you create, that you create. When I was younger, yes, that's true, I was younger. Eddie over there says, he must be an old dude. Even history doesn't go that far back. I used to be the most shy person with very few friends many, many years ago. I couldn't even attend lunch around many people because I was so shy. It gave me stress and anxiety to be around people or to have an audience. You see, I was one of those computer guys, you know, the nerd on the keyboard. I was a systems programmer analyst. I only talked to computers, not people. In Wikipedia, you look up the word geek and you see my picture. When I was younger, I felt imprisoned. I was too embarrassed to express myself. I had stress and anxiety when it was my turn to speak at work or with friends or with one other person. I attended a faith-based workshop seminar to help me. It was in Boston. It was designed to help people to create love, success, financial freedom, and connection that I wanted in my life. That's why I attended this. It was a journey to find the Holy Spirit. It was a little hard because I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit. I was, look I was looking for something. But I found the Holy Spirit. But I found it was joyful. One of the things the workshop seminar focused on was public speaking. That's why I wanted to attend, because I needed to be able to get out there. I, I was so afraid to talk to anyone. The idea was not to be trapped in the prison of my own body. See, I had a prison that I created. That is where stress and anxiety comes from, the prison you create. It's a prison. It's a jail with, without bars. So anyways, we had a retreat in upstate New York, like in the Adirondacks. It was like in the woods somewhere with cabins and everything. And I remember with all the work that uh, we had gone through in the workshop seminar, and it was all day and all night, you know, and it was, you know, for the whole week. I remember peace finally coming in upon me. 
And it was, it was, that's when I first felt the Holy Spirit. I just didn't know what it was, okay? And you know, it doesn't matter what it's called. What matters is you have it. So I remember the peace finally coming upon me. I, I, the cabins were up on a hill, and there was this path that went down uh, to this other cabin that was for, you know, sort of like our dining commons. It was where we had breakfast and, and eating. And, and I remember as I was walking down the hill, there were seven deer. And I remember the number. There were seven deer. And they were in my path. So I slowed down to a stop and, uh, because they were blocking me. They were, in the, they were in the distance. And I said, you know what? I feel so calm and at peace. So I walked down, and they weren't afraid because what they saw was the common peace in me. And I kept going, and I walked, and then I stopped when all seven of them were, were surrounding me. We were so close, we exchanged business cards. That's what we did. Thank you, Father God, for helping me be your voice for positive change and growth. Now, I have a twin sister. Uh, she used to be the only big talker. My wife, the big talker, 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 talker. And I was the very quiet, shy one. Well, today we're both talkers. It's like stereo. Amen, amen. Oh, and today I'm still a nerd on a keyword, but now I'm living life. In 1998, and four years after starting a publishing company, our team was using radio to promote authors as part of our New England Publishers Association. It was something we were developing back then. Back then, podcasting was six years into the future, uh, and the introduction of smart phones was nine years into the future. So back then, radio and newspapers were really a big deal. Now, Eddie says, see, I told you he was an old dude. <laughs> After calling radio station after radio station, one executive producer answered the phone and said, great idea. I was excited beyond belief. Thank you, Jesus. At the time, I didn't know why he suggested that. Later, I discovered that behind the scenes of radio broadcasting for those days is no simple task, but it required me to communicate and even stretch even further with communicating in front of people all the behind-the-scenes work. It required communication, a lot of talking with people. It required leadership, coordination, and making tough decisions that people didn't like. What I said impacted how people thought of me. Tough decisions bounce back, tough thoughts. It caused stress and anxiety, so I was going through it again. Because at the time, I thought it was important that other, what other people thought of me. I thought that was the case. Today, I could care less than flying bird poop on a windshield. Then there was the live broadcast for an hour every Thursday morning before going into ABC News. It was a huge responsibility to be the, in the lead-in for national news organization. That was stress. And it was live. That caused anxiety. Subsequently, that led into a speaking tour through all six New England states. That caused a lot of face-to-face -face stress. But it was something I overcame. I overcame all of that. I started to live in the real world that God created, not that I created, that God created. See, I learned this. I found that I am a person equal to another person in front of me. As we learn here, we are all God's children. It was a long journey to be free of the stress and the anxiety that I was causing. I was amazed at the pain and prison created by myself. I could always have been free in the past, but I didn't know. It's nice to know you can be free. We create stress, anxiety, fear, or other bondages that we can be set free from. Through the Holy Spirit, God has given you the key to unlock the prison that you are in. Very often, the prison you are in is the one that you created. The enemy does not need to create it. Satan doesn't need to create that prison. The enemy just enters it to join you because you created it. If we don't create the prison, then there's no prison for the enemy to enter to join you. See how that works? I'm going to give you three scriptures, three scriptures. So I'm going to be reading from Philippians. I'll read from 2nd of Timothy, and I'm going to be reading from Matthew, okay? So the first one is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, okay? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests 
be known to God. And in 2 of Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7, I'm in 2 of Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And then in Matthew, I'm going to read from Matthew, chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is, no, it is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And that's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. So everybody knows my wife, Maria. So here's a round of applause, Maria. Hey. So when I met Maria, she came along with me to Connecticut to record a music interview show. It was called Today's Music Review that aired every Monday morning uh, in Los Angeles at KCLA 99.3 FM. So we did the show here. It was aired over there. She had no idea. She had no idea the journey it took me to get there. She never saw that. To God goes the glory. Amen. I was free. I was no longer held bondage. Later, uh, I was on NBC Nightly News and the Weather Channel. I had no fear. None. God is good. During the 11-year period from 2004 to 2011, there was no fear when I was on tour in the seven states of New York and New England at 52 ve uh, venues. I thank God for favor and provision. That could not have happened unless the Holy Spirit said, do it this way. And if I freed myself from the prison that I created. No one can believe that a shy, quiet person with few friends could ever be doing what I do now. So what did I learn? Why did I give you all of that detail? Well, number one, I learned that we can be trapped in our own bodies, and our bodies are prisons. We are prisoners of ourselves. The terror of fear causes stress and anxiety. We are held captive for things that don't exist. Fear could be overcome by choice. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, remember, the point is this. Remember, the prison you are in is the one that you created yourself. The enemy does not need to create it. You did. Think of this. Think of this. You created the prison within yourself of yourself. I'll say that again. You created the prison within yourself of yourself. The enemy just enters your own self-built prison to join you because you created it. You made it easy for the enemy to be with you. If we don't create the prison, then there is no prison for the enemy to join you. Again, if we don't create the prison, then there is no prison for the enemy to enter to join you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this revelation. So now enter Exhibit B. B for boy, oh boy. I already introduced her, my wife. She is very much like I was, very shy and quiet. If I walk over to her, and I see she moved her feet, and the microphone's getting closer, and the kid, oh, she's going to run out the door. <laughs> Minister Wayne just locked the door. She's, see? Did you notice that? All of you knew I was kind of kidding. But as I walked over, don't worry, I won't do it again. As I walked over with a microphone, it affected her. It affected her. So she, she's very much like I was. And I understand that because I've been there. I know what the prison looks like. So let me tell you about her. The truth is, behind the scenes, Colombians talk. For those that don't know her, my wife is uh, from Colombia. But you wouldn't know it. I know it. Her mother lives with us. Her brothers are neighbors. My wife makes me laugh in a good way. Marie and I have been married for many years, almost 20 years. My mother told me, this is what happened. My parents have a good sense of humor too. My mother told me about marriage. My mother told me, man is incomplete 
until he is married. And my father, father of nine children, says, after that, you're really finished. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. They lived, they, my parents were happily married for 58 years until they passed. So let me tell you about my wife. Let me tell you how she makes me laugh. So, you know, I'll be walking into a room, and I ask my wife, why do you keep reading our marriage license? And she says, I'm looking for an expiration date. My wife likes to cook. See, she's quick. She's quick. My wife likes to cook. She asks, do you want dinner? And I feel intrigued. And I was just wondering, wow, that's great. What are my choices? And she says, yes or no. <laughs> so Colombians talk, but you wouldn't know it by seeing my wife in public. I know it. She has a lot to say. So one day... I asked for help. So everyone knows uh, Minister Mio, Mio Sotis, in the back row. So on the 14th, this happened on July 14th, 2021. That's a couple weeks ago. So I asked her to coax my wife into doing a podcast, right? Do you remember that? I asked her to, if she could do that. And the first thing the minister said, well, why don't you? And I said, because girls talk to each other. Do you remember I said that? Girls talk to each other. You know, at the time, I don't think she understood what I really meant. So let me paint the picture. The difference between the women's ministry and the men's ministry at the Resurrection Center is like this. Girls say, you can do it. Men say, grow up. Maria needed a little, you can do it. So I needed help. Fast forward just two hours, 120 minutes. You'll see the podcast on Resurrection Center Radio on the same day, July 14th, that she did. So what did Maria learn? She was trapped in her own body of fear. She was trapped. She was a prisoner of her own worry. The terror of fear caused stress and anxiety. She was held captive in a fear that didn't exist. She made a choice to overcome the fear. If both she and I can do it, anyone can do it. Remember, she's a talkative person and she's not shy. But put her in a public setting, she's a different person. We can have the same peace and joy that we have at church at home. Church isn't a place to get a fix. Church is a place to understand and carry it with you when you go home. It's a choice. Don't make your own prison. Don't get stuck. The enemy will join you in prison you created. You have a bunkmate when you are in prison. Your prison cell isn't just for one. It's you and the enemy. Don't get a roommate this way. Now let's talk about stress and anxiety causing anger. Let's do that. Anger is a byproduct. Anger is a byproduct of, uh, uh, I should say, anger is a byproduct of stress and anxiety. Stress and anxiety are the ingredients to something even much greater. Stress and anxiety that is bottled up eventually explodes in the form of anger. The bottle is what ignites the anger. Anger overcomes and destroys peace and joy. Once that happens, once that happens, no one would ever think of you as a Christian. And wouldn't you be ashamed of yourself? Anger causes us to lose our self-control. That's what makes us separate from everyone else. We have to have self-control. It causes us to say and do things we would otherwise never consider. Anger turns into bitterness that eats away at our hearts. I'm going to read to you Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. And quite simply, the scripture reads, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slandering along with every form of malice. And I was just reading Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. That does not mean that we cease to have strong convictions or lose our desire for justice. It just means we refuse to allow the sins of others 
to cause us to sin. It does mean we refuse to allow the sins of others to cause us to sin. Remember that. Anger does not bring about God's redemptive work. Far more often, it hinders what God is working to accomplish. If you feel, if you feel that you have a righteous anger because of something that has happened, see if you are holding anger in your heart without sin. Now think of this. Think of this. Is your anger, now we're talking about the stress and anxiety. What came out of it was the anger. Okay, it's a byproduct. Is your anger turning into bitterness? Bitterness is something that's like glue. It sticks around for a while. So is your anger causing you to speak in an unchristian manner? I'll say it that way. To someone or to gossip about them? Is your anger causing you to make excuses for your ungodly behavior? Do you make those excuses? Is your anger preventing you from acting in a loving, redemptive, and Christ-like way towards someone? You must examine any anger within you and allow God to remove any sinful attitudes that your anger may have produced. So let's, let's do a little, you want a little history lesson? Let's see what an American president says about fear and worry. Would you like to know that? So the first term of the inauguration of Franklin Delano Roosevelt as the 32nd president of the United States, this is the inauguration. It was held on Saturday, March 4th in 1933. At the time Roosevelt was inaugurated, the United States was facing an unemployment rate of over 25%. And that's what was measurable. It was higher than that. Which put more than 12 million plus uh, Americans out of work. Now, I say 12 million. Let's compare apples and apples. That's a lot for a 1933 population of less than 126 million. Compare that today, we're at over 333 million. So just a tap over 333 million. Roosevelt attempted to convince the American people and Congress to follow his plan for the Great Depression. So in his 20-minute-long inaugural address, it was only 20 minutes, this is what he said, and I quote. This is Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. In every dark hour of our national life, a leadership of frankness and of vigor has met with that understanding and support of the people themselves, which is essential to victory. And I am convinced that you will again give that support to leadership in these critical days. And after that inaugural address, there was this woman. Her name is Sandra Love. That's her name, Sandra Love. And she said, any man who can talk like that in times like these is worthy of every ounce of support. So this was a man who had been diagnosed with polio. I don't know if you know that. He was diagnosed with polio. And what is polio? It's an infectious viral disease that affects the central nervous system and can cause temporary or permanent paralysis. You see, he was in a wheelchair. His disability was well known and became a major part of his image. The power of such a man made him not disabled. President Roosevelt not only controlled his fear and worry, but he was able to control the fear and worry of the American people. Remember, Roosevelt was dealing with, number one, the financial crisis of the country. That was the Great Depression. And number two, health issues. It was polio at that time, no cure. Roosevelt took a basic set of actions, and you can use them too. So it's what I call the PPP, three P's, PPP. Plan, prepare, perform. You plan in advance. After you plan, then you prepare it. After you've prepared it, then you perform it. So plan, prepare, perform, PPP, explains how to adopt the right mindset, mindset, and develop a customized plan, build confidence, and get the most out of a plan, okay? Now let's talk about peaceful living. Would you like to know about peaceful living? I would like to know about peaceful living. So tune in, let's do that. Peaceful living. If you make peace with your past, 
Did, did you hear me say that? I had to stop there. I had to say, did I say past? Yes. If you make peace with your past and let it go, then it will not spoil your present or future. Time has a way to travel. Have you noticed that? And people have a way to travel through time. For example, many people live in the turmoils of the past and relive it every day instead of moving on. Don't let others' impressions of you beat you up. It's none of your business of what other people think of you. They don't know you as well as you know yourself. If you want to be happy, take control. No one is responsible for your happiness except you. Only your thoughts and actions will make you happy. Thoughts and actions, something you control. What you do with your life is up to you. Make the choice to be happy. Did you hear me say choice? There's that word again, choice. Everyone is in their own journey, their own journey, including you. My journey is not the same as yours. Don't compare your life to others. You are on your journey, and they are on their journey. Chances are you are glad you aren't on their journey. <laughs> so don't compare your life to others. Don't struggle to know everything. Stop overthinking. Don't make things complicated. It's okay not to know all the answers. Just focus on getting the job done. Do what you have to do. If you don't know the answer, that's okay. Move around it. Be guided by the Holy Spirit. How to use God with your stress and anxiety is what we're going to talk about next. A lot of people ask me about God. A lot of people ask me about God. Those that ask me about God, there's a reason why they ask me about God. They're still in a place of searching for God. God is not someone you walk up to. God is that spiritual experience inside of you that changes you to a better understanding of who God is. It is that day-to-day -day and year-to-year -year experience of being carried by God through the Holy Spirit that tells you who God is and what his promise is for you because you have a purpose. God is more than just about a daily experience that carries you through your life all while having the knowledge of a promise of the ultimate father in your life. Yeah, that's deep. It's true. Let's go to John. John, I'm going to go to John chapter 17, verse 3. I'll read that, okay? John chapter 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And again, that's John chapter 17, verse 3. We learn through the Bible, and more importantly, the Holy Spirit, that knowing God through experience is so very ex different than knowing about God from a theology book. The, ex the experience of God goes far beyond textbooks. It's the envelope of the Holy Spirit that is protecting you and nourishing inside of you. It's the Holy Spirit that gives the true understanding of who God is and what he is in your life. I'm in a much greater place of rejoice and celebration now that I have found joy and peace in life through the Holy Spirit. And you can too. It is through the Holy Spirit that I learn so much more. According to the Bible, you cannot say you know God unless you have experienced him. And that means directly, not by reading an article or in a news publication. An example comes from a deep understanding and reflecting on the scripture. I'm going to read this to you, okay? I'm going to be reading Philippians. I'm in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. So it's Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, and I'll read it. Here it is. So what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteous, righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And I just read to you, that was Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. So look at it this way. The practical biblical knowledge always involves real life experience from the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. 
you may become discouraged because the truths you read about the Bible are much richer than the reality of your own experience. You see, God knows us better than we know us. That's why we need the help from the Holy Spirit. That is why we must seek the Lord Father God, because through Jesus, we understand all things. This is the way we can be at peace and have joy without the very distractions, the distractions and the discouragement we put in our lives, our lives. If you have not yet experienced God's power at work in and through your life, do not settle for a secondhand knowledge of God's power. Rejoicing in what God has done in others. Dive into speaking to God through prayer and practice fasting. What is the purpose of fasting, you ask? What is the purpose of fasting? Well, the idea of fasting is to rid your body of toxins. See, see when you sort of read it in an article, so oh, what's fasting? It rids your body of toxins. Okay, so, so what do I have to do? So we also do this spiritually. We rid our body of toxins spiritually, but reducing the desires of this earth so that we can increase our desire for God. That's the fasting that we teach here. The idea is to build awareness of who God is in our lives and to build a relationship with God. Through fasting, you are able to recharge the spiritual battery for greater energy and learning toward God in all of your thinking. Jesus' prayer was about you and me and all of us would come to know God and the presence of God in your life and experience. Don't refuse or reject the power of God simply because you have not experienced it. Bring your spiritual experience up to the standard, up to the standard of where God wants you to be. Never reduce the written scripture to the level of your own experience. There is always a space for spiritual growth. That's why we have these classes. That's why we have the Sunday service. That's why we have the other activities. Don't settle for the basic mental thinking knowledge of God's love because that's not where it's at. It's not up here. It's here. It's where the Holy Spirit is. Get the experience of God's love through the Holy Spirit. Jesus prayed that you would experience the depth and width and height of his love and that you would enjoy God's full and unending love in the day-to-day -day experiences of your life. You can pray to be delivered from the shelter that hides you from God. You can pray to be brought forth into the light of God. Ask God to bring his presence into your everyday life experiences. Ask God if there are any adjustments you need to make in order to receive his promise that he has for you. Don't give up on the promises of God that he has for you. Stay with them until they are, you are fully experiencing them. They come to pass. Be in rejoice. Be in peace as you are carried by God's arms through the Holy Spirit. When we are worried, stressful, or fearful, we can pray to God and ask him to help us know what we are to do. God doesn't use fear tactics. God doesn't use fear tactics, though he can sometimes be very direct in his answers. When God speaks, we will feel it in our hearts and minds. He speaks in terms of peace, not anxiety. That's the language. God's language is of love. So I'm going to give you an example. Let's have an example. So the, some people ask, how do I pray for anxiety? How do I pray for stress? And how do I do that? So I'm going to just, this is just an example, okay? This is just an example. So think of something like this. You can say something like, loving God, Please grant me peace of mind and calm in my troubled heart. My soul is like a turbulent sea. I can't seem to find my balance, so I stumble and I worry constantly. Give me the strength and clarity of mind to find my purpose and walk the path you've laid out for me. See, something like that. That's, that's an example. It's an acknowledgement. That's the key thing. It's an acknowledgement, and you are seeking the Lord. So God can calm your anxiety when you speak to him through the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read to you 1 Peter. This is it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And that's in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 7. Now, if you want to give God your worries, if you're starting this out, do it tangibly. What you can do is you can write them down daily. 
You can't give him something if you don't first acknowledge that you have something to give. So write it in the morning. Write it at night when you wake up, when you go to bed, so that you have it, so you don't forget it. Remember the lessons of three scriptures. I'm going to read you three scriptures. They're in Matthew, Joshua, and Philippians. And they're very basic scriptures in terms of how they're read, but it paints a great picture. So I'll be reading Matthew, Joshua, and Philippians. So the first one is Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. And that's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Now the next one I'm going to read to you is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And the scripture says, This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And in Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So every day, Every day, I, I, uh, through prayer, my, my wife and I, every morning, I've, t- I've told you this before. We pray every morning. We pray every night. Um, I also do devotionals. And um, what I've been doing is getting revelations. Uh, I stream videos online. You may have seen one or two of them. I've been streaming the revelations that come through me through the Holy Spirit. So today, early this morning, today, uh, the devotional put a focus on peace which relates to what we're talking, because that's what we're seeking, right? Right? Um, so that is the opposite of stress and anxiety, right? We don't want stress and, stress and anxiety, ew, right? Peace, yay. That's what we want. So finding peace starts from the inside, then moves outward. I'll say that again. Finding peace starts from the inside, then moves outwards. The mistake we have, the, the mistake I made, say, What I say to you once, I say 10 times to myself. The mistake I made was I was looking for the problem outside to try to resolve the peace, but didn't know that it had to start from the inside, then move out. See, if you find the peace inside, then you must share it with the outside. See, that's that's the order of process. When we share peace toward the outside, from the inside toward the outside, we are fixing broken relationships as an example. You see, broken relationships cause stress and anxiety. We have the power to fix that. So let me give you three beginning steps. There's three beginning steps. One, two, three. The first, you deal with the conflict early. You don't wait. You don't let the conflict boil and then explode. Proverbs 17, 14 says, the beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. And that's in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 14. And second, the second one, practice control, especially with what comes out of your mouth and what you are saying. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I almost laugh because I, <laughs> I'm a fast talker sometimes. So I gotta, I'm going to read that again. So Talk amongst yourselves as I read this to myself because this is a good lesson for me. James chapter 1, verse 19. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. James chapter 1, verse 19. Okay, I'll write that down for myself. And number three, finally, take a step towards peace. Make the first move. Nothing happens if you don't make a move. Romans chapter 12, verse 20 says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And that's Romans chapter 12, verse 20. In the Bible, Peter said to do work by turning from evil and seeking peace and to do it by making every effort. And quite simply, in 1st and also 2nd and Peter, 1st of Peter chapter 3, verse 11, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. 2nd of Peter chapter 3, verse 14. So then... My dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So once again, 
Peter said to do work by turning from evil and seeking peace and to do it by making every effort. Peter was describing that reaching toward peace is a process that must have attention. There can only be peace if it starts in our hearts and lives. That is the root of peace. It is what is in the heart. We must find it in our hearts. So how do you do that? What is the first thing we can do? Well, check this out. I'm going to give you an example about broken relationships. Broken relationships can be put right. Here are six steps to deal with broken relationships. Number one is the most difficult. Start with forgiveness. I thought half the church went empty right now. <laughs> Start for, with forgiveness. Number two, look for the good in the other person. Number three, be the bigger person and make the first move. You can make the first move. Number four, try to see the other side of the story. That way, number five, you identify the real issue. And give it time. Have the patience. So you can do it. Have the confidence. We can do these tasks. It's in our control. We must take action. Think of it as a responsibility. We must accept and meet the challenges and responsibilities that come with pursuing peace. That frees us from stress and anxiety. We learn in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, that we must pursue peace with everyone. Pay attention to this. Check this out. Pay attention. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's in Hebrews 12, 14. I'm going to read that again. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So as you can see, we are commanded, we are commanded to be at peace. We are commanded not to have stress and anxiety. We can choose to be free from stress and anxiety. Make that choice and take the first step. If you're able, please rise and stand to show reverence to God as we pray. If you can all rise and raise your